Good morning. Some of you are seeing me, and you're seeing my mask, and you're seeing my bag, and you're saying, David, you're a day late. Halloween was yesterday. Well, I brought some illustrations. I don't know if I'm going to be able to use them all. I will remove my mask, and let me, let, yeah, let me, uh, let me lay some of these out. I don't know if I'm going to use them all, but let me lay them out for you, and then we'll get started. You know, it's funny that the first day you guys are back in class is the day that uh, it's daylight savings time. So the good news is you either got an extra hour of sleep or you get an extra hour to your day. The bad news is you get an extra hour of the year 2020. (laughs) But as the psalmist says, this is the day that the Lord had made. This is the year that the Lord has made. And God's work, even in the midst of what we perceive as craziness, as we perceive as what's going to happen next, God is still on the throne, and God is still at work. And very thankful for that. He's, he's uh, here in, at, in Frisco at work. He's at work at Stonebriar, and he's been at work at Avantel. And if, David, if you don't mind sharing the, um, the graphic there, I want to give you an update about Avantel. Um, some, some people have been very curious about how uh, Avantel's doing. And if you don't mind flipping to the first page, it's got the graph there. Okay. They're telling me we lost signal. If you can hear me, raise your hand. Well, I don't know if they're waving at me or if they're obeying my instruction. Okay, can we flip to the first handout, the one with the uh, chart uh, with the circles? There we go. Okay, now most of you will see that, you know, Avantel's vision is more people hearing the gospel in more places every day. Because we believe that the ultimate solution for the things we're facing now as a, as a nation, as a world, as individuals, is a relationship with God. Submit to Him, listen to Him. And the way that comes about is through people hearing the gospel, realizing their great need for God, and to trust in Jesus Christ alone as the only way to God, as the only way to heaven. And, you know, we looked at 2020 and all the challenges that are going on and all the concerns, but you know what? We said of Antel, like it says on the chart, now is the time to shout the gospel because people are more open, people are more uncertain, and they're more open to other ideas, other ways of of coming uh, to conclusions, and they're very, very open to the gospel message itself. And we may have seen some things shaken, some institutions shaken, some people shaken. Some of that shaking is coming from the Lord because people need the Lord. And I pray this prayer, Lord, do whatever you have to do to accomplish your purposes, to proclaim the gospel, to get people's attention so that they can focus on the main thing. And so we're very thankful for that. And you'll see on here, we're really divided into four sections with the goal of more people hearing the gospel every day. Digital, which is our online communication. 
international. We want to take this message around the world. Um, Hispanic, we want to focus on Spanish speakers both here in the United States and around the world. And then, of course, always partnering with the church. And I just want to give you a little testimony here. We, we looked at these four areas last year, 2019, and we said, Lord, which of these should be the priority? And God overwhelmingly laid it on our hearts that digital needed to be the priority, that we needed to be, take our training and our outreach on, where people could get it on their phones, on their computers. Um, it's the way people are communicating now. Well, that was back in April and May of 2019, God led us to um, hire a digital director who came in and laid the foundation for us to be able to do what we do digitally. That was a big help. But do you know when it was a really big help? <laughs> About March of this year when COVID hit. So we thank you for your help because in God's good providence, he brought that digital director, brought Brock Anderson, along helped lay the foundation so that we can communicate online, so that when something came around that we didn't even foresee coming, which was COVID, God had us ready. He's a good God. He is a good God. And he sees miles, years ahead of where we are and prepares us for what is coming. So thankful for that. Um, the, uh, the, an, another section that's really booming is our Hispanic folks. Since March of this year, we have trained over 5,000 believers online who are Spanish speakers. And we're very thankful for it. These are people not only in the United States, but in Bolivia, in Colombia, in Venezuela. And you think if we have it bad, people in Venezuela really, really have it bad. And at one of these trainings, we had over 700 screens that were tuned in to the training. That's just screens. There were three, four, five, sometimes ten people in a room watching, watching the screen. So God's mission at Avant Hill is continuing. We're moving forward. The big prayer request that I have, and if you flip to the next chart, you'll see the different initiatives that we have planned for the, for the coming year and the years that follow. Very exciting stuff. Um, in fact, you'll see under Hispanic, launch Spanish website. That website just launched last week so that we can use that website to reach and equip Hispanic people, Spanish speakers, to go and share the gospel. If you will, though, specifically pray for us, because what has happened during COVID is our communications and the flow of communications through, to, through, to our partners in China, to our partners in other parts of Asia, it's become a real challenge. And God is still at work. God is still reaching them. Um, God is still working through them. But just pray for Asia in regard to Avantel and that we can reopen some of the channels of communication and the good work we're doing there throughout Asia and, and that his will would be done in that situation. So I just wanted to present this to you, just emphasizing the fact that now is the time for the gospel. It is a huge opportunity because people we are finding are more open than ever to the gospel just because of the stuff that is going on in the world and that people want answers. So with that, I want to launch into our lesson 
And it has to do with the gospel. It has to do with the Great Commission. And if you will open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to begin in verse 1. Now we have something coming up. As you're turning in your Bible or flipping on your phone or or pulling it up on your computer to Isaiah 6, we have something coming up um, on Tuesday. It's called the election. And I'm going to represent that with this box. Here's the election, politics. Here's what's coming up. And, you know, this, this involves a lot of things. It involves not only of the election, but I am constantly reminded of this fact every time I go to my, uh, my, my mailbox. Why? Because I get three to five pieces of mail a day telling me who to vote for. It's all over the place. The other place that reminds me of it is when I turn on my TV, particularly the Channel 8 News. And there are between 15, 20, 25 commercials. And sometimes they run the same commercial three times during the newscast. And sometimes it's, it's to the point where they will have a commercial about a candidate, and they'll show that candidate, you know, hoisting up the flag, this person is a true Texan. And they'll show their, you know, they'll show their picture, which looks like they got it at Glamour Shots. And they'll cast this person in just a positive light. Then the very next commercial will be about why I shouldn't vote for that person. It'll show a mugshot, what looks like a mugshot of them. This person is terrible. This person is awful. They're dangerous. And, you know, I'm just to the point now, I just can't wait till after Tuesday for this to stop coming to my mailbox and to get off of my TV. But there's a lot in this box when we talk about the election. You know, there's a lot of fear in this box. Depending on which way we go, what candidate we pick for president, which way is this country going to go? How are we going to move forward? Are we moving toward a cliff? Are we moving to greater things? There's a lot of fear and concern about which way it's going to go. Not only that, there's a lot of emotions in this box, anger in this box. Whenever you hear political platforms or you hear from candidates or you hear from people, a lot of anger A lot of uh, concern is welled up in our souls. Some of you, I know, if certain political figures, you see their face on TV, your blood pressure immediately rises. They don't even have to say anything. The moment you see them, you have an emotional reaction and, and you get upset. So there's a lot coming in this box, and a lot of us participate in this. We talk about the candidates. We may give toward campaigns. Um, We may even, um, you know, we go vote. There's a lot going on here. We need to remember this. Here's the election politics. But while this is going on, and this has been going on for months, there's another box that we need to consider, and that's the fact that it's not just about the election and politics that's on our mind and in our hearts. It's also the fact that while this is going on, we still have this, the Great Commission. We still have not just a political agenda, but we have God's agenda. And that we are following the Lord, and that we are His hands and feet 
on this earth. We are his servants. We are ministering to people. We are bringing the message of comfort, of peace, and that every day he's got assignments for us. But you know what? Sometimes we know this is this, and we know that the Great Commission is the priority. The right way I know it's the priority is when the end of all things come, and we're all standing before the Lord, which do you think is going to be the priority? It's going to be your submission, your obedience to the Great Commission is the priority. But you know, sometimes we get so focused on this, worrying about it, getting upset about it, allowing it to dominate our thoughts with our cares, concerns, watching TV, checking CNN or Fox News about what's going on. If we're not careful, sometimes this can overshadow this. Sometimes this can keep us from the main thing of this. And by the way, if you watch a lot of news, whether it's CNN, Fox News, you need to realize that their goal is to get you to watch more. And you may say, well, CNN does, does that, but Fox News would never do that. Yes, they would. Yes, they would. If you look into Rupert Murdoch, the guy that owns them or founded them, it's all about eyeballs on the TV. How can I get these people, whether it's this persuasion or this persuasion, whether it's CNN or whether it's Fox, how can I get them to watch more? What can I present and say to make them upset, to make them angry or concerned so they will keep watching this program? Watch out for that because if you're not careful, it will cause this to interfere with this. So my whole lesson today is this. How do you keep the main thing, the main thing, regardless of the results of the political thing? Let me say that one more time. How do you keep the main thing, the main thing, regardless of the results of the political thing? And some of you may be saying, well, David, after Tuesday, this will all be over. This will all be over and we'll have the problem solved. No, here's how I know. Because no matter how the vote goes Tuesday, and it may not even be settled on Tuesday. It may be settled Friday. Or this may be a 2000 Gore versus Bush situation where we don't even know until December who won. But the other thing is, even after we know who won, there's going to be 50% of the country that's going to be upset. If, this, if candidate A wins, everybody that was for candidate B is going to be upset. If candidate B wins, guess what? Everybody that is for candidate A is going to be upset. There's still going to be crisis. There's still going to be drama. There's still going to be Fox News and CNN broadcasting it all. But folks, how do we keep the main thing the main thing regardless of what happens with the political thing? Is that clear? Sorry, I had to, I kind of had to change the way I was going to do it a little bit for the camera. Hope that's clear. So that's what this lesson is all about. And we're going to, we're going to go to Isaiah and we're going to see how God equipped Isaiah to keep the main thing, the main thing, his obedience to God and the mission of God preeminent in his life, regardless of how crazy things got during Isaiah's time. And, you know, the number one thing God gives Isaiah and, and gives us today is this word 
called perspective. Word called perspective. Perspective is, is just very simply a way of viewing things. It's a way of viewing things and thinking about things that can help keep your priorities right. When I go to the eye doctor, and my father-in-law and brother-in-law are eye doctors, I go because I want them to help me with my perspective. I want them to help me see things clearly. One of the reasons I got an education, one of the reasons I sent my daughters to go to college to get an education was to help give them a perspective, a better education so that they would have a better frame of reference in which to view the world, okay? Even when you get these political ads and get these cards in the mail about these candidates, what are they trying to do? They're trying to give you a perspective, a way of looking at things or a candidate in order to influence you. So here in Isaiah 6, what God gives Isaiah is a perspective, a way of seeing things. And there's three things in particular that God gives Isaiah. He, he gives Isaiah perspective of himself, his majesty, and his sovereignty. He gives Isaiah a glimpse of that. He also gives Isaiah a glimpse of his holiness and Isaiah's need to be holy. Be holy for I am holy. He gave him a perspective of holiness. And finally, God gave Isaiah a perspective of the mission. He gave Isaiah this at the beginning of Isaiah's ministry because he was sending Isaiah out to be his minister to Israel for years to come. And those years were going to be crazy. There was going to be political turmoil, social turmoil, religious turmoil. And God wanted to say, I want you to remember what you see here, Isaiah. No matter how crazy things get, and no matter how crazy this culture gets, I want you to remember this. It's sort of like boot camp. How many of you are in the military? Anybody here? Anybody on? Okay. You remember what's the very first thing you went to in the military when you volunteered or when you said, I'll go? Boot camp. Boot camp. Right. What was boot camp like? <laughs> Were people yelling at you? Were people uh, trying to distract you and, and just, yeah, yeah, absolutely, why? One of the purposes of boot camp in the military is to condition you that no matter how crazy things get in war or in a battle, you maintain your focus. You maintain your focus on your mission and you maintain your focus on your commanding officer's orders to you no matter how crazy, no matter who's yelling at you, no matter what bombs are going off, no matter if you're under gunfire, you can keep your focus. They did that to give you perspective. And in and, and the same way, Isaiah's encounter with the Lord here is preparing him for ministry out there. So no matter how crazy things get, no matter what the headlines look like, you can stay on focus because it, it applies to you. You can stay on focus no matter how crazy things get so you can keep the main thing, the main thing. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. All right, let's take a look at what happened to Isaiah here. It says in, in chapter 6, 
In the year that King Uzziah died, stop. <laughs> King Uzziah, you know how long he had been in power? 52 years. 50, it was as if, you know, I was born in 1969. It's like if Richard Nixon had been younger then and had been in power up until now. King Uzziah had been uh, on the throne a long time, and he was a good king, good administrator. A lot of good things happened under King Uzziah. But this was in the year King Uzziah died. Do you think Isaiah had some concerns? Do you know, if you read those historical books in the Old Testament, you know there were good kings and there were bad kings. And you could have a good king reign and the next king could come in and turn the whole thing on its head, upside down. There was some uncertainty there. Well, how's it going to go? What's going to happen next? This is key. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, let's break this down a little bit. He got the perspective. It says, I saw the Lord. Where was the Lord? In heaven. Where was was he? On the throne. throne. He He was in the temple sitting on a throne. That Isaiah, even though the earthly king is going to, he's passing away, he's abdicating his throne. God is still on his throne. He's never left and he never will leave. This was huge because it's so easy to pin our hopes on a leader. Whether it be a leader getting ready to step down or a new leader going to be promoted, it's so easy to pin our hopes on a leader. And what we need to keep in mind is that the Lord is sitting on a throne. And that throne is not in Washington, D.C. That throne is in heaven above. God is still large and in charge and in control. It says he was high and lifted up. And what that means is simply, Isaiah, whatever concerns you have, whatever fears you have, God is higher than all of them. God is higher than all of them. And he's not only higher than them, he's actually in control. He's sovereign. And then it says, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And you think about God having a robe um, that just speaks to his royalty, his majesty. He is the king. But this robe filled the temple. Now, how many of you remember when Princess Diana got married? Do you remember that? Okay, do you remember when she came into the, um, into the chapel there? And the, um, you know, she's walking toward the archbishop, and that train of her bridal gown went on and on and on. And she had all those people carrying her train, how big that was. That was a big one. Now, I can't remember... If, if Megan had one or if the new princess, but I just remember Princess Diana, I remember how big it was. Well, God's train of his robe was so big, it filled the entire temple. That's how big it was. And, and we need to remember that, yes, there are a lot of concerns coming up in this election. Yes, there are a lot of issues going on in our country. But God is on his throne and he is higher than them all. 
and he is um, more powerful than them all, and he is bigger than them all because it's so easy to fix our eyes on our problems and our circumstances. It's so easy to get distracted and to see all the troubles in our nation and like, what is going to happen? We're doomed. We need to take our eyes off of our circumstances and we need to place them primarily on the Lord and keep our eyes on him. Now you may say, David, how does that work in my everyday life? I mean, am I going to see a vision like Isaiah did? No, you you probably won't, but every morning... You need to have an Isaiah 6 experience. <laughs> and here's what I mean. When you, when you get out of bed, you don't need to go to Fox News. You don't need to go to your phone and flip through the latest news or somebody's opinion about the news. <laughs> you need to go to the Lord. And every morning you need to start your day not looking at your circumstances, not looking at the election results. Put all that to the side. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going out of shot here. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord. That's where our strength comes from. That's where our marching orders come from. I don't care what's going on, what kind of craziness is going on in the world. We need to keep our eyes on Him. Now, what do I mean by that Isaiah 6 experience? That your time in the Word in the morning... Um, And I say in the morning because if you do it in the morning, first thing, it helps shape your perspective for the rest of the day. You get into the news of the day, you get into the troubles, that's going to shape your whole day if you do that. Start your day, get out of bed, get your focus on the Lord. In a time not just of checking off your your to-do for your Bible study, make it a worship experience. Make sure you to worship. It's so important in the morning. In the morning, when I reach over to my nightstand, I reach for these glasses. Why? Because I need them to see clearly for the rest of the day. Reach for your Bible. Reach for your Bible, but don't go to the news app. Go to the Bible app. Immerse yourself, and not just check it off your list, but immerse yourself in the Lord. Him, high and lifted up, worshiping Him. I promise it'll help with some of the stuff in this box. It'll help with your worries, your cares, your concerns, your anger, your frustrations. It will help you. Perspective is everything. So I just challenge you to do that. That leads to the second point though. Isaiah saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his road filled the temple. He saw his majesty. He saw his sovereignty. But it goes on. It says, and above it, stood seraphim. These are angels with the specific ministry of surrounding the throne of God and bringing praise and worship to the Lord. Seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when the Lord visited Isaiah... He brought his entourage. You know what an entourage is? Have you ever seen the celebrity show up? And it's not just the celebrity. It's all the people that hang around the celebrity. You know, it's almost like, you know, just a a herd, a group of people coming through the airport or coming into the restaurant. God brought his entourage, his angels, his seraphim with him. And what's the message? It says, Holy, holy, holy 
is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, what do we mean there by holy? We mean set apart. We need set apart for a special purpose or service. I'll give you an illustration, all right? When I was little, there was a place in the dining room that was kind of set apart. It was called the China Cabinet. And in that China Cabinet was my mom's china. And I noticed we never brought that china out when we were going to eat hot dogs and hamburgers. That china had a specific purpose that when we had guests, Thanksgiving, Christmas, or we had a big deal, that's when the china came out. But the only thing allowed in that cabinet was that china. We were going to put chinette paper plates in there. We weren't going to put dirty dishes in there. It was going to be clean. And I brought a piece of, of our china from home. It's from my mother-in-law who loves peacocks, and there's a big peacock on it. I wanted something a little prettier, but this, this happens to be what we have. And, and when we talk about the china, we're talking about something that's set apart for a special service. And it's just set apart. It's a cut above. And when these angels were coming and they were praising God, saying he's holy, 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 that means he's set apart. He's not of this world. He's, he's pure. He's holy. Um, and the reason it says holy, 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 that's Hebrew grammar. You know, in English, when we want to say something's holy, we say holy. When we want to say something's more holy, we say what? Holier. Holier. What about the supreme? Holiest. Exactly. They didn't have that in Hebrew. So do you know what they'd do? They'd just repeat the word. Holy, holy, holy means there's nothing more holy. There's nothing more pure. There's nothing more set apart than the Lord. Now what does this have to do with you or me? Let's take a look here with Isaiah. It says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the, voice was, uh, the house was filled with smoke. Notice Isaiah's reaction. <laughs> it says, So I said, Woe is me, for I am what? Undone. Now what this reaction is, it's a sudden realization of the dire situation that you are in. In other words, when he saw himself and he saw the Lord, he said, whoa, it's me. I am undone. It's like going to work and finding out you just lost your job and it dawns on you the gravity of your situation. It's like going to the doctor and all at once getting a very hard to take diagnosis, maybe even a terminal diagnosis. You were fine up until that point, but when you got the news, you're shocked. You're stunned. Isaiah's saying, hey, I was doing pretty good. You know, I'm a good guy. I'm doing all right. He goes to temple, sees the Lord, and it's like, oh my. If I weren't more sanctified, I'd probably use other words. <laughs> oh no, I see the holiness of the Lord, and that's casting light on who I am, and I am undone. Why? Woe is me, I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the people, 
in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He sees the contrast between the holiness of the Lord and, and the sin of the people and himself. And you know what? It's so easy when we think about our culture and we think about what's going on in the craziness. Did we ever think it would get this way to point our finger and say, yeah, you guys better watch out. You guys this, you guys that. When really, if we consistently come before the Lord, you know what we need to be saying? We need to be saying, yeah, that's right. But Lord, it's me. You remember that song? It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. We see ourselves in the light. We may look at ourselves and compare ourselves with culture and think, hey, we're doing pretty good here. But then when we look toward the Lord, we say, oh my, oh my. And, and, and then, you know, it seems like as I, move, uh, as I move closer to God in my Christian walk, the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I realize, man, I need the Lord. I need the Lord to help me with my pride. I need the Lord to help me with my bitterness. I need the Lord to help me control my anger and my reactions. I need the Lord. I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. That Hebrew word there for unclean means unfit for the presence of God or unfit to be used by God in His service. It's like a dirty piece of china or it's like a paper plate. It's being unfit, and and Isaiah recognizes it. But notice God's reaction when he does. It says, Then one of the seraphim, one of the angels, flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. Now, what was the key of the altar in the Old Testament? The altar was the means by which things that were unclean became clean. Those things which were unfit for God's use or unfit for God's presence could become fit for that. Why? Because the altar involved sacrifice. And through the sacrifices that were being made and the blood that was shed, sins were atoned for, sins were forgiven and removed. That whole scapegoat illustration when you put the Put the sins of the people on the scapegoat, and it runs away for God to remove sins. So that the angel flies to the altar, gets a coal, and comes, and he says, He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. And he took Isaiah, and he made him into a vessel and into a tool that could be that the Lord could use for his service. Now, how does this apply to me? And how does this apply to you? Very, very simply, 1 John 1 9. When we confess our sins, what? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Which means when you are there in the morning and you are having that Isaiah 6. Time with the Lord. It's it's about worship of the Lord, but it's also a time of confession. When you lay yourself before the Lord, and as David did in the Psalms, he says, 
Search me, O Lord, examine me, and see if there's any wicked way in me. And for you to lay yourself, hey, you know, is my pride getting in the way here, Lord? Is there any bitterness in my life? When I had conversations with this person or that person, regardless of their political stance, was I Christ-like? Did I sin in my actions? And for us to lay ourselves before him and do what Isaiah did, confess our sins, confess them before God so that he can wash us clean and make us clean vessels for his use. Somebody asked Tony Evans one time, and, and I guess many of you know who Tony is. Very famous preacher, very uh, gra- Dallas Seminary graduate. He's, they said, Tony, what is the key to your ministry? How is God using you so powerfully in ministry? And Tony said, the key to my ministry is keeping short accounts with God. That the moment that, that you know, I sin or I fall into sin, I confess it before the Lord, I repent of it, He covers me in His blood, and then I move on. That's the key. And we need more Christians who are coming before the Lord in the morning, but throughout the, all, uh, throughout the day saying, Lord, let's just have it out right here. I confess my sin and reveal to me my sins. Because sin can mess up our effectiveness in fulfilling the Great Commission. When we go long periods of time without confessing our own sins, we become prideful, we become inward focused, we complain more, we get worried more because our focus is off the Lord, and we get distracted from the main mission. We need to be clean vessels for God to use. Do you know why? Because these times have never been as challenging as they are now to navigate conversations, uh, to talk to people about Christ. And it's so easy for us in the midst of a conversation to get angry or to let our emotions take over or to try to, to, to be right and show the other person why they're wrong or, you know, or have this even attitude. If these idiots would just get their act together in this party, we'd be great. That's not from the Lord. That's not, and I'm not saying to throw truth in the garbage. I'm just saying we need to present the truth and make sure we're keeping short accounts of God so that if people hear it, the only objection they have is the truth they're hearing and not our pride or not our arrogance or not us whining about something that we are clean vessels for God to use. And you know what else? When we keep short accounts, or short accounts with God, he also opened our eyes to the opportunities around us. We're not so self-focused for our agenda. Our heart is soft, and our eyes are open to those opportunities, to those God things, those little God things. When you have chance encounters with people, we're more focused on them, and we can keep our eyes on them. So that's just, just, just a little thing in the morning and throughout your day. Not only when you're worshiping the Lord, worship Him, that's so important, and get your eyes on Him, but come and confess your sins so that you're a a useful vessel for His use. And that's where this passage goes. Because what happens immediately after, after, um, after Isaiah confesses and God forgives him? And by the way, 
Do you know what the altar is in the New Testament? Do you know what the altar becomes? The cross. And here's what I mean by that. In the Old Testament, the altar was the place where sin was dealt with and people transformed from being unfit for the presence of God to fit for the presence of God. In the same way in the New Testament, folks, it's the cross is where our sins are forgiven. Our cross is what makes it possible to go from not being fit uh, to be in God's presence, to be fit in God's presence, but it also makes us um, available and clean for service. So it's the cross. So he's got his eyes on the Lord, his sovereignty, his majesty. He's, con- he's looking at the Lord and his holiness and he's saying, Lord, and he's confessing his sin before the Lord so that he is in alignment. He is in sync with him. And then finally, take a look at verse 8. And then... Also, I heard the voice of the Lord. And it's interesting how it was only after that he confessed his sins that he heard the voice of the Lord. It says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And I said, Or who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. Now, folks, I know a lot of craziness is going on in the world. And I know the news organizations want you to think that the election is the main thing. And I know that this, you know, we don't know the the, the road this country is headed down. But I'm telling you, no matter which road, this one, that one, or one we can't even see, God still has assignments for his people. God still wants you to come before the Lord and say, Lord, whatever you say, wherever you want me to go, in my neighborhood, in my family, praying for somebody, whatever, I'm willing to do it. So, you know the old thing, Mission Impossible? Do you remember that show? What was the key to that show? (laughs) Here's your mission, should you choose to accept it. And then, of course, it would blow up. And they, the whole thing would be about them doing the mission. God still has missions to hand out. He's handing them out every day. And some of these missions have your name on them for you to do, for you to be His hands and feet for the Great Commission. And folks, what we dare not do is get so distracted, sorry, with this, and our worries, our cares, our anger, we dare not be so distracted with this that we miss our part of this. He's still got missions, and they have your name on it. And, and what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? That means in the morning, after we worship the Lord, we spend time in His Word, we, we, we kind of get our right, frame of reference right, We confess our sins before him. We thank him for what he has done. We say, Lord, I'm available. Lord, I'm yours this entire day. You know, I kind of got an agenda set up, but Lord, I want to be on your agenda. And it's so huge. You know, I want to illustrate this with these army men. Um, Do you guys remember the little army men? There's one. He's got a gun. He's laying there. There's another one with a bazooka. Do you guys, did you guys ever play with these or did your kids? All right. So, you know, when I grew up, I grew up kind of during Vietnam, after Vietnam. So we had five army men that every kid had. The bazooka guy, the, 
the rifle guy. We had another guy lifting his um, rifle up here. But we also had this guy, and the only thing this guy had was a radio in his hand. Do you remember this guy? He had a walkie-talkie. He was down on one leg, and he just had this radio. Now, when I was a kid, he was the most useless guy because he didn't have a gun. So he was the first to go. He was the first to be knocked off with a BB gun or, you know, we didn't care about him. But you know what? In real life, that guy in his platoon was crucial. Do you know why? Because that guy was the guy that was in touch with the commanding officer. That guy was the guy that was in touch with the people that were giving the instructions to be heeded. Because why? They knew the master battle plan, even though he didn't. He knew his part of it, but they knew the master battle plan, and they saw things and the whole picture, and he didn't. And they knew, hey, I'm going to give you an order. I don't have to explain it. I don't have to give you all the details. Here's your order. Do it. So when you're in the mor- there in the morning and you're finishing up your prayer time, you need to remember to turn on that walkie-talkie, to turn on that radio, and keep it on all day long so your heart and your mind are available to hear God's commands and to obey them. Make sense? And all this is going to do, all this other stuff's going to do is cloud the issue. And, and I'm not trying to tell you not to vote. I'm trying to I'm not trying to tell you to support Ken. I'm not even telling you not to talk about people about these issues. But what I am saying is be very careful in your mind and in your day-to-day. Don't let this overshadow this. Keep your eyes on the Lord, his sovereignty his might keep short accounts with him confessing your sins and keep your in touch with him in prayer throughout your day it gives us perspective because here's the bottom line and then i'm going to let you go um what god gave isaiah was a perspective on all these things but he also wrapping it up gave isaiah an eternal perspective that Isaiah, my, my mission for you is really the only thing that's going to last. And here's what I mean by that for you and me personally. The very thing Isaiah saw when he saw God on his throne, high and lifted up, and he saw the cherubim, and that vision that Isaiah saw is going to be our reality one day. What Isaiah saw in that vision, folks... If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that's going to be your reality one day. That you're going to be there standing before the Lord. He's going to be in His throne high and lifted up. And regarding how you spend your day, what you think about, what's really going to matter at that moment. And what is going to matter then should matter right now. I've heard some people talk about, boy, things are so bad. We see end time events shaping up. Boy, the rapture is going to be any day. And you know, that's there to give us hope. But it's also there to sober us up. Because you know what event happens after the rapture for believers? is something called the Bema, where your works are evaluated. Not for entrance into heaven. Christ paid for that. But an evaluation of your life. Um, is going to be laid out before the Lord, and God's going to say, how did you spend your time? How did you, how did you use your mind? What dominated your thoughts? And folks, 
With that in mind, knowing that could be any day, we need to be sobered up and focus on the main thing. Because one day we will be there before the Lord. And you know what? I don't know. My lifespan, I don't know if I'm going to go home tomorrow. I could get hit by a car go home tomorrow. I don't know if it'll be 20, 30 years. But knowing that one day I'm going to appear before the Lord, I'm like, Lord, bring it on. I, I want to do as many assignments, Lord, for you as I possibly can. I want to be used up. You know, we talk about this being the marathon class and the fact that, you know, life is a marathon. What do the people do at the end of the, a marathon when they're on the last legs, the last mile? Do they slow down? Do they stop and take a coffee break? No. They begin to kick. And, you know, I realize that, you know, getting older has some issues, but let me tell you, God has customized specific assignments for you. Even in the last laps, even in the later years of life. And, you know, I'm 51, so I'm entering, I'm around in the corner here. I don't know about you, but I want as many of these as possible. And I want to be involved with as much of this as I can. So, folks, be careful. Keep the main thing, the main thing. And don't get distracted by this. Yeah, be concerned. Vote talk the issues, but in reality, God help us to keep the main thing, the main thing, no matter which way this turns. No matter which way this turns. Amen? Amen. All right, let me close this. I think I was supposed to close this in prayer and turn it back over. All right, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that, you know, all this stuff that's going on in our land, all this stuff that's going on, it's concerning. And if we only focused on that, Lord, we wouldn't have much hope. But our hope is in you, that you are on the throne, that you by no means have have neglected the situation, but you are still at work, even in what we think is chaos. So we pray, Lord, that you would help us align ourselves with you every morning, every minute of the day, so that we can use by you to accomplish your purposes, so that one day when we see you face to face, high and lifted up, you will look at us and you will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so I pray that you would keep that top of mind, no matter how crazy the next few days, this week, this month is, Lord, help us to keep our focus on the main thing. And that's you and your glory and your precious gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.